Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Pensacola, Florida, it's time for Pensacola Business Radio. Now, here are your Business Radio X hosts. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Keith over here, broadcasting live from our Pensacola studio. And uh, we have a digital edition here of Pensacola Business Radio. And I'm joined on the other side of the computer here with uh, three wonderful people who are going to share their business experiences with us today. So uh, good afternoon, all of you. Thank you for being here. Um, I'd like you all to introduce yourselves. And uh, uh, Prima, please, let's start with you. Hi, my name is Prima Creel. I'm with Take 5 Media Group. We're a uh, omni-channel uh, digital marketing company that has our own data that we customize for companies and then activate different uh, media channels to um, try to increase ROI. Fantastic. Well, thank you for being here. We appreciate it. Okay. Devin, you're up. Great. Uh, yeah, my name is Devin Beverage. Uh, that's right, last name Beverage, like a drink. Uh, my business is DevBevCo, which is a comprehensive digital marketing solutions business. We offer end-to-end funnel solutions for businesses that are looking for long-term sustainable growth. Um, we're focused on branding over a salesperson approach. Oh, fantastic. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. And Vera. Hello, my name is Vera Anderson, and I am with Global Elements Consulting, and I'm a performance coach. So what I do is I help my clients who are CEOs and business owners to figure out what helps them to perform better and achieve their goals faster. Fantastic. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you. So, um, okay, so let's get started and let's get right into it. Uh, Prima, tell me a little bit about Take 5 and how you ended up uh, at the helm there. Well, Take 5 is kind of a data source. Um, We have over 275 million people in our database. So with the power of this data, we're able to target a lot of um, different demographics, overlays, life triggers, you know, who's pregnant, who has kids, who has pets, you know, all the way down to... Um, how old their children are, and so forth. And we work with companies that have an ideal target in mind and uh, create a customized audience and then use any kind of digital uh, forces that we have, email, retargeting, uh, content campaigns, and so forth, to get their brands and products in front of people. I got brought on about three months ago to grow the team um, as we were just bought by Advantage Media Solutions, the sixth largest digital Uh, retail marketing company in the United States, they're trying to really bring us to the forefront. We usually used to license our data to marketing companies, and now we're kind of working directly with brands as well as working with marketing companies to help grow people's businesses. So how does that change your dynamic inside the company? Um, Quite a bit. I used to, you know, the team, I used to, obviously I started in sales years ago, and now this is the third team that I'm running. So we are um, kind of going through a transitional phase right now. So the dynamic is changing every day. Um, but we are trying to not just limit ourselves to licensing data to marketing companies and big um, brands, but help them activate things as well and um, you know, provide the creative services. And it's quite a transition. <laughs> Are you holding up okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. I am. It's. It's challenging. It's very challenging, but it's fun. You know, it's fun. 
challenges so, are fine. So, uh, okay. So aside from the, just the, the large amount of data that you have as a company, what uh, you say creative services, are you sort of an all stop shop thing where you can get everything done in one, one swoop? Right. We can be. So, um, we have our optimization teams and our creative teams. And, um, so we, we can be, so for some people, we're not, for some people, we are just white labeling what we can do for marketing companies. And for other people, they are coming direct and we are helping them with everything all the way down to making their email creative and their social media creative along with the targeting and implementation of the campaign. So uh, who's an ideal client for you then? We work with large companies like Walmart, Cheerios and you know, the big, big, large agencies and brands. And then we work with smaller companies, small home builders, real estate companies, and things like that. We can target to all the way down to zip codes, or we can run a huge national campaign and, you know, target every mom in, in the country. <laughs> it just depends. So if, what kind of pain points do I have when I come to, when I try to come find you? Um, I mean, I deal with pain points across the gamut. I would say some of the most common ones are, um, you know, if you are just kind of bidding for things online, you're more, you're, you're going through a lot of algorithms and things like that. And companies nowadays are looking for one-to-one -one real information, not algorithms or, um, you know, like with social media now, it's all based off likes and shares and algorithms. They've lost the one-to-one -one component of their data. We have the one-to-one -one component because all of our data is owned internal and one-to-one. -one. So um, we have direct information about the people in our database. And that's probably the pain point we solve the most is the audience and how it's all one-to-one -one data. There's not an algorithm or a pixel that's leading you to this person you're reaching this person because we know they're a mom or we know they're pregnant or we know they have pets, um, not just based on like shares and what sites they frequent. Right. So, okay. So how are you all, when you guys go out to find new clients, how does, how does that work? Do you, and, and, where, and where do you look really? Cause it sounds to me like there's only so many, I think large companies that are probably looking for services. I, I would assume that some of this is um, a little challenging to find new clients. Um, well, we look all over the place. We do work with a lot of large agencies. We work with um, very small agencies as well and regional. So um, anybody trying to reach a customer base, we'll, we'll work with. Um, you know, we can work with a, fam a mom and pop chain of furniture stores. You know, we work with, um, we work with a lot of real estate. We work with travel, you know, you know even small travel agencies that are just trying to reach the people in their city. Um, so, so we, we kind of go all over the place. We don't really stay in one niche or one size company. Uh, we, we work with some little media buyers that just have five or six clients in a, in a city and, and they're just helping their clients grow in that city. And then we work with the large agencies, you know, that are trying to grow brands like Untuck It and so forth. Yeah. And do you guys have uh, like a sales team that does that or is that just an internal position kind of comes when it comes? Yes. Yeah, so I run a sales a sales team in, in Boca Raton. I have a team of about 15 people, and then I also have a team in New York of, an, of 10 people um, that focuses up there. And then there's a couple people that work from home remote. We have some in California, Pittsburgh, Chicago, Atlanta. So we have a, a nice, strong sales force, and we're growing. 
Yeah, you got a brigade out there, that's for sure. Um, so for those that don't know, explain to us what omni-channel means. I've always wondered what that term does. Omni-channel means more than one channel of marketing. So email marketing is one channel of marketing. Social media is another channel of marketing. Display is another channel of marketing. Being a print and you have broadcast. Radio is another channel. So every channel, omni-channel just means, you know, instead of going to some people say, well, they handle my social media and they handle my display, my programmatic, and they handle my email. And they, we handle a lot of different channels under one roof. Um, so that's what we mean by omni-channel. And the multi-touch is all of those channels are reaching the same person. Since our data is first party and owned, we have that same person's physical mailing address, email address. We have their social media. We have their mobile ID. So it's, that's what we mean by um, the omni-channels, all the different ways we can reach them. And the multi-touch is all those different ways are multiplying how many times we're touching that one person awesome. with your brand. Okay. All right. So these are two questions I usually like to ask uh, uh, everybody that comes on. And uh, first one is, what has been your best failure? My best failure. Oh, yeah, your best failure. So maybe um, something that you failed but ended up failing forward or failing up. Hmm. My best failure. <laughs> You know what I would say, and this is, I, that's too personal. I can't say that. Okay. <laughs> business-wise, best failure business-wise. Um, gosh, you can't ask a question like that so off the cuff. <laughs> sure I can. Um, so we get the real data. Okay. Okay. I would say my best failure would probably be, um, what at my previous company, I was also managing a team and um, really the backbone of the team. And I, I left, I gave up and could not take the, uh, the stress anymore and left the company. And I really feel like I, I let this company and team down and I thought I, you know, gosh, I failed, I failed, I failed them. However, my leaving I think turned things around for that department because they weren't depending on me anymore and they actually had to figure it out. And now they're 10 times stronger in my opinion than if they were still depending on me for everything. All because you let them fly so that be free. was one time <laughs> that I think we, I, I felt like I failed at that with that team. But now looking back, I don't think I did. I made them stronger. Very good. Okay. And then the second question is what book are you reading right now? I, oh man, I, I am, I'm goodness. I just finished writing a book, so I'm not reading anything. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. What's the last book you read? Yeah. Then? Okay. The last book I read, <laughs> I'm not a reader. I write a lot. I'm yeah. not a reader. Um, yes. Yes. So what do you like to write about then? Well, um, one book I'm writing is The Power of Branding um, and how branding can psychologically get into a person's psyche and make you feel like you're buying this amazing product. But when you do the research, it's not as amazing as everybody thinks. So it's kind of the power of branding in your, psy in your psyche and how it sways people to just completely overlook the facts. Um, 
simply because it's in their face a lot. Yeah. It's a billion dollar industry, yeah, isn't it? That's, yeah. <laughs> that, that's one book I'm currently writing. Well, very neat. Very neat. So if anybody wanted any more information on Take 5 and, and what you all do, where can we send them to? They can feel free to email um, me and I can, uh, you know, make sure I, I help them in any way that I can. And then obviously I can get them with a team member. My email is P as in Paul Creel, C-R-E-E-L at Take5MG.com. That's the number five. Okay. And Take5MG.com is obviously the website. They can also visit and, and see everything. Yep. Okay. Yep. Well, very cool. Well, a uh, very interesting story. Uh, very neat job. Thank you for being here. Um, hang out for a little while. Let's find out what uh, Devin and uh, Vera do. Of course. All right. Okay, Devin Beverage, you are up. How does a how does a man like you get a last name of Beverage? You didn't change it, did you? That's a good question. Uh, no, I didn't change it. Um, but I can tell you, I've not met a lot of other people with the same last name. That's really. That's that's yeah. Um, really? that's, uh, you know what? That doesn't surprise me actually. Yeah, it's funny. The only person I've ever actually spontaneously met, their last name was spelled slightly differently, so not exactly like the drink. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. Interesting. I hear a lot of new jokes all the time, surprisingly. They never get old. Well, okay. And you named the company BevEv, so tell us about it. Right. Yeah. It's funny. I uh, I kind of have considered changing the name now because the reason it actually came up was because initially I started this business as a freelancer. Um, I had a real estate business that I was not so much enjoying the day-to-day of anymore. And so I'd been messing around with web design and SEO for a long time started doing that for friends of mine and connections through pretty much just people I knew through business and uh, ended up being able to get in my first clients through people who trusted me already and, and gave me a leg up. And then from there, it came to the point where I was quickly getting a lot of opportunities that I didn't even necessarily have all the skills for. So then I had to start hiring contractors to be able to work together with me to put projects together and, and ship the final solution for the business. So it's a, uh, it's not my favorite name anymore, but the basic idea was to start with, uh, it was me and I was going by a shortened name, Dev Bev. And then essentially it was going to be Dev Bev and company, but I had the domain devbev.co. So I just went with that. And, uh, so have you kept the, have you kept the contract style, um, a project style of business model? What do you mean? From where, when I was where, you're, where you're outsourcing a lot of the, the services and stuff, or are you doing all things in-house? Right. Well, I work with the, I work with the same contractors pretty much on an ongoing basis, so the same couple graphic designers, the same team of SEO people. Um, so it's interesting. It's definitely, I definitely serve a few of the actual business functions still myself, um, but outsourcing is... It's interesting because then I have to do some project management myself and make sure everyone's collaborating like they need to. Do you think that opens up your window of creative ability? Um, I would say so. One thing that it's done is it's given me the opportunity to spend more time growing the business and uh, narrowing our focus um, so that we can, I guess, do more for fewer clients is the ideal goal. Mm -hmm. Uh, We want to provide as comprehensive of services as we can, because that seems to be what has the most impact on each individual business. So, uh, same question I was, I was asking, uh, Prima is who would be your ideal client then? So our ideal client, I I'd say the area where we shine most 
is um, creating new streams of leads, essentially. So for example, one business that we're going to be starting to work with is a mortgage business here in Tampa Bay. And they've been working off of referral business, even though they've been doing a ton of revenue, uh, they've been working completely off referrals for their entire business life. So now I'm going to start essentially a completely new sales funnel so that they're going to have now brand new, I'm trying to not use technical terms, but essentially it's called cold traffic. So we're putting out advertisements and running funnels so that we're getting cold traffic into the business and essentially making us so that even if the referrals dried up for them, they have a backup plan. Uh, so they're constantly creating new relationships and then they can nurture those and leverage those over time. And those should essentially turn into new referral relationships as well. So, you know, back in the day, and this being probably 15, 20 years ago, there was, you know, you went to networking events, you went to, you had referrals from, you know, previous clients and, and existing clients. But nowadays, there are so many different places to get uh, leads, so to say. And I know that sounds so impersonal when you say leads, but really when you try to build new relationships in business. But what are some of the ones out there that you're finding to be effective for you? Good question. Well, in my business, I'd say referrals are mostly coming through friends, family, and, and people have done different types of real estate and other things because I was in real estate for a good period of time, all in the same area. So I was able to make some pretty dense social networks. Um, but in general, one of the best ways to acquire leads right now is through social media. Um, it's what one of my favorite uh, business mentors says, Gary Vaynerchuk, it's underpriced attention. Uh, and so I'm really encouraging that for a lot of businesses that I'm working with. Yeah, it's a, a attention arbitrage, I think is the way he calls it. You're, you're about the third person this week that's uh, um, focused on uh, Gary Vaynerchuk and who I just think his raw style is just absolutely perfect. Yeah, so. I'm a big fan, a big fan. I wasn't uh, initially, but over time I was like, you know what? I, I totally can see around any prickly edges that there might be. And uh, man, I love this guy and his message that he's putting out. Yeah, he's pretty on point. I, I'll give him that for sure. So, um, okay, you said you were in the, the Tampa Bay area. Is that, uh, do you work strictly with local clients or do you work anywhere across the U.S. or globally? Actually, yeah, I do work, um, I do work outside the U.S. as well. I have a few clients in Canada. Um, and I have um, started conversations with clients elsewhere. Like there's a client in the UK um, or a potential client, I guess I should say. And uh, it's not even been my goal, funnily enough, but it's interesting. We're in a more and more globalized world. And some people just even here in Tampa sometimes have that to say is like, hey, I have this guy I know. He's not he's not nearby. Like, is that OK? And uh, that's actually how I ended up getting one of my Canadian clients. So yeah, it's amazing it's what technology allows us to do, isn't it? Right. So, um, you said you had the chance to work a little bit more on your business than, uh, in your business by using some of the contracts or by the way you have your business model set up. So what is, right. what does that look like to you? Um, because I think a lot of people should hear that because a lot of people are too busy working in their businesses instead of on their business. So what's the difference for you between the two of those? Right. Well, working in the business essentially looks like spending most of my day working on projects themselves instead of spending time doing things that are building brand equity for the business and then essentially developing things so that we can do more and more for our clients over time. Because if I spend my whole day um, working on whatever specific client work 
it's not leaving much time for the company to grow because who's going to grow it if I'm not? Um, I guess I could hire someone to do that, but it's not, it's definitely something I want to entrust myself with versus anybody else. Right. Right. And so do you find it, um, do you find it to be stressful with having to juggle so many, so many different um, aspects of the job? Well, yeah. I mean, I've been an entrepreneur for, I think, close to five years now, and it's definitely stressful. Um, it's definitely stressful, but it's also, in a way, a good type of stress. Because um, I'd also say I have another type of stress if I, for some reason, don't work for a period of time. Like if I go on a vacation, there's definitely going to be a point where all of a sudden I have a weird stress that, okay, I'm not working. Now I'm not managing everything that's there. Right. Even if I put someone else in charge, you know. Uh, I completely agree. It's sort of a, a work-life integration as opposed to a balance, isn't it? Right. Yeah. So. so uh, okay. So, so, so the same two questions I was asking uh, Prima is uh, one: what has been your best failure? And the second one is: uh, what book are you reading now? Uh, okay. So, uh, biggest failure. I've been thinking about that one since you asked her because I knew that it was coming up for me. <laughs> And, uh, I, I guess I would say not having more time to, to think about it more, I guess I would say my best failure was, I want to say it's a couple of years ago now, and it was in my real estate business actually. And it was a period where I was, uh, essentially my business model was finding real estate deals. So properties that were distressed, um, getting them under contract and essentially selling that contract to investors who wanted to flip the properties. Um, big business here in Tampa, but I made the mistake of investing too much in a deal that was not guaranteed, had a huge payoff, um, huge margins for me, but I relied so much on that coming out that I ended up stuck in terms of, you know, I wasn't doing lead generation at the time for more business as much as I should have. Um, and I also had invested, I, technically invested money trying to help the homeowners resolve a situation legally that they had that would enable them to sell the house because they wanted to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. And that ended up being money that went nowhere um, just because the deal broke down in an unexpected way. Essentially one of the, one of the sellers was technically in prison and he ended up refusing to sign the final paperwork. And so that whole thing fell apart and it was, a really big blow at the time because we're talking like about forty, fifty thousand dollars in profit that was supposed to come that I was just expecting at the time. It was mm -hmm. the biggest paycheck that I ever would have gotten. And when that suddenly was not coming and I had been relying on, hey, this is going to be coming, it just really taught me that in business, you never want to stop that lead gen. It doesn't matter if you have a million dollar contract or what level you're at. You always got to have that safety net and make sure that um, you've got your own back. Yeah, the money's not in the bank till the money's in the bank, right? Right, right. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, and so what book are you reading now? Um, I am reading for uh, probably the fifth time Blue Ocean Strategy. <laughs> That's a great book. It's amazing. I yeah. love it. And it's one that I recommend that most people, at least more than anything else that I recommend, um, people usually haven't heard of it as much. And I like that. So any blue oceans that you are aware of right now that uh, you've been thinking about? <laughs> um, pro probably not any that I would uh, share yet. Some ideas <laughs> in development for sure, but uh, which is why I'm reading it again. But 
nothing I would share just yet, but we'll see. Yeah. And so for those that don't know, uh, if I'm cor- correct me if I'm wrong, but the blue ocean is any industry or any part of business that is untapped, uh, where it has almost zero point of entry, uh, barriers as well as zero competition. So it's very easy to get in on one side. Um, but can also be construed as the other side of the gamut. Uh, and I think Gary V does a very good way of pointing this out. So for instance, if, if, uh, fast casual is all of the rave right now in restaurants and food, then that means there's that gap or blue ocean on the side of maybe fine dining, because even though it's not hitting right now, uh, it's, there's going to be a, a balance thrown back to the economics of things. So when you can navigate those and, and designate those and see them and, and then capitalize on them, you can win big time. Completely agree. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. All right, man. Well, if anybody else is interested in finding out more information, uh, where can we send them to? Yeah. I mean, they can go to my website, uh, devbev.co. It's not .com, but .co. Um, and we have a, uh, a little messenger chatbot in the lower right that they can use to book a call with me or reach out if they have any questions or anything. I'm happy to, I'm always happy to help because I love what I do. So very cool. Anyway, feel free. All right. Well, thank you for being here. Uh, stick around for a little bit. We're going to see uh, uh, what Vera does. All right. Great. Okay. Vera, thank you for hanging out for uh, and, and being the uh, the silent listener, huh? It's been perfect position to be in. <laughs> I got to learn from the previous speakers. You you let your secret questions out, so I'm not going to be surprised unless <laughs> you throw curveballs. So I feel like I'm in a good spot. I don't know. I could change the questions up on you, so, but we'll see. Yeah, you could. <laughs> so, so Vera, for, for those that don't know, tell everybody sort of what you do and, and, and who you are. Sure. Um, my background is in finance and private equity. And by way of heritage, I was actually born and raised in Russia. And my family has been in the U.S. for the, over 30 years now. So I have a pretty diverse and international background. I've traveled a lot in my life. I've lived in five countries now. I've been to over 30. And I love interacting with people from different cultures, um, doing business with people in different cultures. And I've learned quite a bit from both the financial background and the M&A work that I've done. And having this multicultural, multilingual environment, um, a lot of very interesting tricks and tips and things that work across multiple industries, but people don't always use them because they're just not aware. Okay, so so that's all the knowledge and expertise that I bring to my clients now. So what are some of those things? Because, Because I think that... More and more today, some of these things that you're about to mention are starting to move into the forefront and more and more people are becoming aware of them and really realizing how effective they are. Sure. Well, when it comes to, you know, if we're talking about performance coaching, which is my current current business, it's going back to the fundamentals and what I'm seeing that most of the people are missing that are working with me is one of five key areas. And it depends on the individual, what it is that they need help with. So one that I'm seeing is decisions and making decisions, uh, especially when it comes to things like 
I am going to sell this business. What do I start with next? Where do I go to? Or I am about to sell my business and retire. How do I create a legacy? What would that look like? What would my identity be if I am no longer known as a CEO of this successful business? Um, so it's helping people make these significant and in a lot of cases, very impactful, life impactful decisions uh, going forward. But not only make the decision, but actually commit to it. Because we all know the difference between making decision and actually committing to it. Sure, right? sure. There's a um, there's a an additional effect of I am not going to fail when you commit to something. And so, do you think that gives you the advantage of of committing over over just just you know thinking about it? I, I think, like you said, if you commit to it, then part of you has to believe it, right? And so, if part of you believes that you've got a success rate that's a little higher than just you know talking about it. Absolutely, and it's just a matter of how in do you feel you are. If you're all in, then you're going to act and behave differently than if it's just something that would be great if it happened, but I'm okay if it doesn't. So how so does it's that a different mindset? Yeah, I agree. I agree. How does all of this translate to the into the, across multiple industries, but then to those industries that your that your clients are in now? It really applies to life. <laughs> um, if if you think about it, because we make decisions on daily basis. Some of them are small, some of them are big, right? And it could be a decision that is as small as, am I going to the gym at five o'clock this morning? Right? Mm -hmm. We all have those questions in our minds. And what happens is if we don't commit to a decision, then it has a trickle effect. So for instance, decision to go or not to go to the gym will then impact your energy level which is another key area that a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners struggle with. And I'm not talking about just, you know, the woo-woo energy, if you will, but I'm talking about the mental energy and the physical energy that you have. Because if you're feeling sick and weak, you're not going to perform well. If you're feeling this mental fog and, and, and haze, you're not going to perform well. So if you want to excel at whatever it is that you're doing, you need to have that that energy and you have to know how do you ramp it up and how do you then ramp it down so you can relax after you've been performing. And that all stems from making the decisions and committing to them. Yeah, yeah. So would you say that there's a, a standard procedure to decision-making that maybe we're not following, like a, a step one, step two kind of thing? What I'm finding with large decisions is that we get overwhelmed. Let's say your large decision is, do I move my family to another country because they have a great business opportunity there? Well, that is extremely overwhelming, right? (laughs) Because you start thinking about all of the impacts that that decision will create. Will my kids like it or not? Will my spouse be able to find a job or be able to find something to do while I'm there? Am I going to be successful? Where are we going to live? What are we doing with the house? So all of these other questions start popping up. So the way you make large decisions is by breaking things down into small bite-sized steps. 
And that could be is initially figuring out, okay, what what is the opportunity? How is that going to compare it to the quality of life that I have right now? You know, what uh, what kind of a package am I going to get there? And then look at smaller things. What are the facts that I need in order to make that larger decision? So it could be having the conversation with the family and getting their take on it. You know, it could be uh, researching the, the location where you're going to and, and maybe visiting it. So basically taking the bigger decisions and chopping them into pieces where you can get some facts and then you can make the next decision and take next steps based on facts rather than something that feels wobbly. So maybe it's just a matter of asking the right questions, huh? Exactly. Yeah. So, um, in in your uh, arena, do you have an ideal client that that um, you'd like to work with, or is your stuff pretty across the board? Typically, the clients that I work with or start working with are going through some sort of a transition in their life or business, and there is a lot of moving parts. So they feel like they need something to anchor onto. Um, and our conversations, our sections give them that anchor where they know that we can brainstorm, we can come up with solutions, but it's also a safe place to talk about anything that comes up for them and how they feel about it. The other, um, the other area is when somebody is becoming aware of their blind spots. And they want to improve their performance. So again, it's, it's not really industry specific as much as it is uh, time specific for the individual where they want to do better and they want support and assistance to do that. And so how, what does that look like when, when somebody approaches you? They just say, hey, I'm kind of all over the place. Can you help me focus? Or is it something that they maybe not even know that's going on? If they're interested in talking to me, uh, we start with a, with a session, with a complimentary session to figure out what it is that they're trying to solve. Because sometimes it's just one question and I can help them solve that fairly quickly and then they don't need any additional support. In some cases, we discover that there is a lot behind the question or behind the challenge where they do need uh, some ongoing support. But it's all in terms of, it's all about building a relationship and having that, developing that level of understanding and um, comfort of, of having really private conversations to get to the goal that they're trying to achieve. So, in, in, in this will be sort of a, a um, I guess, Oh, I don't know what we call it, but you know, for those that are listening, so you and I have spoken previous to this and I think you have, uh, uh, one of the tactics that we went through that I think is worth totally worth talking about was a skill that a lot of people mm -hmm. don't use anymore that they have. And I say this after that question, because I think sometimes this may help you answer the question of whether you need some help focusing or whether you need some help, um, just getting some things in line or just overall, maybe some, some coaching. I think 
everybody could use coaching. It's no different than everybody could use therapy. It's It's got to be good in some way, shape, or form. It doesn't mean anything less of you or more of you, but um, visualization as a tactic mm-hmm. and a tool to focus on your end game and really enhance your ability to perform is by far one of the most underutilized skills, I think, out there. And I was reminded of that uh, just a couple of days ago when you and I went through the uh, uh, process of doing that. So for those mm-hmm. that, that may not understand how that works or how to do it and how easy it really is, can you talk, can you talk us through it? Well, it's a lot easier to demonstrate than it is to talk about it. But, um, in, in the basics, when you, when you close your eyes, right? There is an image of yourself that you see, or there is a, a, a decision, or there is a challenge. Um, there's always this story around it. There's always um, some sort of a descriptor or an image that pops into your head. So when you're visualizing, you are in the driver's seat, and you can visualize or create this image that is in the positive shade, in the neutral, or in the negative shade. And most often, we go into the negative mindset. We're criticizing ourselves. We're looking at what we don't have. We're, we're worried. We're stressed. Um, but if you take the same, let's say, event, and instead of saying, I'm stressed about it, looking at it as an opportunity, and getting curious about what can possibly come out of it that is positive, you're shifting your mindset. So instead of looking at the negative, you start to retrain your mind and you start to retrain your physiology to an extent at a cellular level to look for positives, to feel positive. So with visualization, you intentionally create a visual that is positive that is something that you want, that is something that you have an emotional attachment to. And the more you meditate on it, uh, the more real it becomes to you. And then what happens is different synchronicities start popping up. You start seeing that image externally in your daily life. You might have a phone call from a person who you were just thinking about. You might have an opportunity that comes up that is absolutely ideal and what you wanted, but you couldn't actually express it before. So that's the power of visualization, both from changing your outlook and actually empowering you to see opportunities rather than just being upset about what is happening to you. Right. Sort of uh, um, uh, guiding you into the right direction and instead of, uh, you know, you operate just sort of help hazardly and, and hope that things work out. Right. So, exactly. Um, so, and and I, one, one of the things that helps with with that exercise, if you're not a very visual or meditative person, what I do in the mornings is I set daily intentions and I journal those out. And what that means to me is I set an intention of how do I want my day to go. So if 
for instance, I see that I have a full schedule and there's a lot of meetings and calls, then my intention for the day might be, I want to be able to flow through the day no matter what happens. Because let's be, let's be honest, when you have a lot of things scheduled, things change, people's calendars shift, some things get canceled, other things get squeezed in. And instead of getting upset about it, I'm setting an intention in the morning that I'm going to just go with it and see opportunities and make the best of whatever comes that day. So uh, setting some intention is is a, a thing that works. I can tell you that firsthand. Um, I can also speak <laughs> to uh, after we got done doing the visualization practice, there were a lot of things that I was able to uncover and discover, which is uh, typically what happens, I think, with, with most mm-hmm. of your clients. And then you challenged me to do it uh, every day for a, a very short amount of time and at least once uh, over the next couple of weeks. And I can say that so far I have met your challenge and have continued mm-hmm. to find more things um, uh, unfolding. And so there's some, there's been a day or two where I didn't see much at all. And then there was uh, one day, in fact, this morning uh, where I saw a whole bunch. So some of it is starting to work itself out, which is always cool. Validation is always neat. Um, and the rest I'm mm-hmm. sure will come, but I can, I can attest as a firsthand user that it is something that will be in, integrated into my daily practices. Um, and it's definitely worth trying out, you know, and, and I think everybody should at least give it a shot. You know, you can always try something, especially all of those that are us that are, are business owners or that, uh, uh, are in charge of large teams like, like Prima is or, or, um, you know, may have high stress jobs or, or really just want to help get yourself some direction to get moving to the place you want to be, I think. So, um, thank you very much for helping me walk through it and I'm glad it's being effective for me. And so I'll spokesperson for you for a minute. <laughs> Um, beautiful if there is uh, anybody interested in uh, some more of what you do and who you are where can we send them to they can reach me on LinkedIn Vera Anderson Global Elements Consulting and there's actually a link there in my description to a Calendly schedule so if people are interested in uh, having a quick conversation with me they can schedule it there or they can go to my website which is globalelementsconsulting.com very good very cool well thank you very much for being here today absolutely okay all right well everybody hang out real quick let me get us out of here because we are at the end of time but i do want to thank uh, both vera and devin uh, for being here as well and um if you guys taking the time out of your day to to uh join us and and share you know who you are and, and what you do i think it's great and hopefully most, more people can learn from it and hopefully they'll be reaching out to you for more information so um you guys can find us at p cola radio x on twitter you can find us at p cola brx on facebook or you can find us on our website at businessradiox.com or you can find us on our live feed at businessradiox.live and this has been pensacola business radio where business is good and your work is Thank you everybody for listening today. My name is Keith Hilbert. This has been Pensacola Business Radio. You can find us at Picola Radio X on Twitter, Picola BRX on Facebook. You can find us on LinkedIn at businessradioxstudios.pensacola, or you can find us on Instagram at Pensacola Business Radio, or on our websites at businessradiox.com, or on our live feed at businessradiox.live. If you are interested in being a guest on Business Radio X, please visit either one of our sites or our social media sites to find a link to book your appearance. This has been Pensacola Business Radio, where business is good and your work matters.